Boston College returns home on Saturday to face off with the Louisville Cardinals. Today, I have Matt McGavick of the Louisville Report here to talk about the Cardinals and give us a perspective of what BC is going to be facing on Saturday. Make sure you're hitting that subscribe button here for Locked On Boston College. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm BC AJ Black here, along with Matt McGavick of the Louisville Report. Matt, how's it going? I haven't talked to you in a while. Uh, it's going well. I mean, I, I kind of wish football was giving me a slightly better product, but I'm sure both of us are in that same boat. Yeah, I mean, right now, you can't complain. I mean, BC's uh, yeah. product that we're seeing right now is absolutely putrid, and the fans that have been listening along with us, it's been it's been tough to watch, you know. Uh, but Louisville, you know, I, I get it. You know, there was a lot of there's a lot of expectations going into this season for this program and a lot, you know, with the success that you've seen on the recruiting trail, I know you guys get Ruben Owens coming in. Who's a five-star running back. That's next year, but you just, you, you were, you were seeing momentum going into the season. How is the kind of mood around that program right now? It really depends day to day, sometimes hour to hour, the temperature of the fan base changes so often. It really depends on, what football team you're going to get heading into the season opener at Syracuse. There was a lot of hype surrounding Louisville. As you said, there was real expectations about maybe in seven, eight, perhaps even a nine win season. If things broke Louisville's way and then the ball was kicked off and Syracuse just kind of dog walks Louisville the entire game. And there was that they responded with a win at UCF, which, no one saw coming, not even just winning at UCF, but winning in a defensive slugfest against a UCF team who not only hardly ever loses at the bounce house, but good luck stopping them offensively. They they mm -hmm. almost never get slowed down, and Louisville's defense just that. Then some people get to start real back in, but then you've got the game against Florida State, which even though it was only a four-point loss, Louisville could, if they didn't shoot themselves in the foot many times, they could have won that game by 21, but Louisville yeah. just had so many mistakes in that game that they just let it slip away. And the best way I can describe it is that it encapsulated everything that had ever gone wrong in the Scott Satterfield era. There were turnovers. Mm. There was vanilla play calling. There was a fourth quarter kind of pseudo collapse. I don't want to call it a complete collapse, but they had opportunities and let it slip away. Anything that is any little issue that has ever come up, from 2019 to now, like it manifested itself in this game. And then you have the USF game where I know USF is not that good, but they were a field goal away from beating Florida and they just wiped the floor with them. So it's really a day by day, week by week, you know, gauge of what the fan base temperature is. Like there's some people who are still in the Satterfield camp that say he sh should be the guy, give him a little bit of time, get the recruits in. And then there's another sect of Louisville fans who have kind of been here for a while saying, no, fire Statterfield. He's not the guy. Get him out of here. 
it's it's all over the place. Yeah, I mean, BC fans can relate to that right now because there's a the it's right with BC fans at, at this point it's like kind of split down the middle where there's fans that are saying like you know we're hoping Halfley can figure things out. There's some that are just done. They're like the issues are too big, and these issues are never going to fix themselves. So for Satterfield turnovers and halfway talked about this actually Marcus Valdez the defensive end talked about it on on Tuesday um has been a big issue and I, I Matt I feel like it was two years ago we we're talking about uh, turnovers being a major issue for Louisville back then is this yep. like something is it just sloppiness what is the deal with the turnover issue with with Louisville that seems to be something that I, I mean last year it didn't seem to, to I mean we talked about that last year it didn't seem to like poke its head through then but seems to be like every other year now with Satterfield. It, it's funny you say that because Louisville has done a bad job at putting the ball in the dirt and giving the ball away, but that's not even the biggest bugaboo uh, with this team. I mean, yeah, they have, I think it was eight lost turnovers. They do have a bit of a fumbling issue, but a lot of that is kind of confined to running back Tyon Evans, who is, I don't want to say by far Louisville's best back, but, kind of their best back by default if you're going by the start the uh, depth chart he's Mm -hmm. he's got a slight fumbling issue we've discovered over the first couple games Cunningham has made just some really boneheaded throws some uh, from game to game now he is getting better about that over the last couple games his ability to actually pass the ball is has dramatically increased from the first two games the uh, Syracuse game and the um UCF game he was he did not look very good throwing the ball whereas against Florida State and against USF he looked a lot better but still kind of sprinkled in a few bad overthrows and the occasional just boneheaded read turnovers are not the huge issue here what the huge issue is penalties Mm. Louisville committed I believe it was nine penalties against Syracuse 12 against UCF 11 against FSU they were averaging 10 penalties a game heading into that USF game. So they were able to get it corrected against the Bulls by only committing five in that game, really three in non-garbage time. But we'll see if they've maybe sort of fixed this issue moving forward or is this if this was just a one-off performance because a lot of the penalties aren't necess- weren't necessarily a product of just playing hard, you know, like – yeah pass interference or holding, you know, just effort-based penalties. It was a lot of pre-snap penalties, like false starts, offside, just pure, just concentration penalties are what was plaguing Louisville. I mean, Louisville committed five of those against Florida State, four false starts and an offside, and they were at home, Mm -hmm. and they committed that many pre-snap penalties. That's what their biggest problem is. It's turnovers are an issue, yes, but it's not nearly as bad as it was in 2020, or at least that's just the vibe that I get. It it's more so seems like just staying disciplined and getting keyed in from the jump is their biggest issue, which they, they did look a lot better against USF in terms of just staying locked in from the get-go and just playing through the whistle. So, And we'll see if this can continue into the Boston College game. Yeah, uh, before we get our first break, I want to say that today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Head on over to Bet Online uh, and uh, make your first wager today. Bet Online's our official uh, wagering partner of Locked On BC. Now, sloppiness seems like an it's something that um, 
it's bo- something that's battling with both teams as BC isn't as sloppy with penalties, but as you, if you watch the Florida state game and God, God forbid any Flo- uh, uh, Louisville fans out there, watch that hoping to see BC stay in that game. Uh, 17 missed tackles for BC, just complete, just me- messiness there. Um, in a moment, I want to talk to Matt about Malik Cunningham and, uh, you know, BC has had issues against mobile quarterbacks. I want to kind of get his thoughts on the strengths and weaknesses of the Cardinals quarterbacks. I think uh, that might be the matchup to watch on Saturday. BetOnline.net is your number one source for your football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and more on BetOnline. And... The fat, it's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MML, MM, MMA, excuse me, geez, boxing and golf. I use Bet Online all the time. Um, it's a great site if you're going to do your college football betting. Uh, BC and Louisville, last I checked, was at 16 and a half. Uh, it's been moving. Sounds that, about right. So, yeah, it's been, it's been going all over the place. I think it started at 11, uh, which is crazy action. But you can head over to Bet Online right now. Or use your mobile device to learn more. Go over to Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, AJ Black here, Locked On BC. Thank you for making Locked On Boston College your first listen every morning. And if you have, if this is your first time listening to us, thank you. Uh, we have all sorts of great episodes over the last week. We are the only, the only daily Boston College podcast out there. And I want to thank you for checking us out. And we're joined by Matt McGavick of Fan Nation's um, Louisville Report. And Matt and I used to work together uh, before I headed off to 247. Um, And I wanted to talk about Malik Cunningham because I think there was a lot of, I mean, he was, you know, all ACC going into the season. And there was a lot of expectations for him. And, you know, he's he's proven himself on the ground. That is not a question at all. Like he is he is dynamic. And I think that's going to be a major issue for the Eagles team that really struggles with some speed issues and tackling. But Matt, uh, talk to me a little bit about what you've seen. I, I like to hear about his passing. I think, I, you know, he's got what, two touchdowns and one interception or something like that. And, you know, is, is he is he progressing from last year? What are you seeing from him? Well, at first it seemed like he was regressing. I kind of addressed it earlier how he's just been mm-hmm. up and down so far to start the season now. Over the offseason, I mean, what's the talking point when you're discussing at any college program? What's the talking point when discussing any dual threat quarterback someone has? We're going to work on their ability as a pocket passer. Yep. You know, it seems like what everyone seems to say. But, you know, and that's what they were doing with Malik Cunningham. They already knew what he can do as a runner. He's already well established that he's one of the more dynamic dual threat quarterbacks in all of college football. So they just wanted to continue to improve on his abilities as a passer, just staying in the pocket, making the, what quarterbacks coach Pete Thomas called the elite throws that can kind of elevate Louisville's offense to the next level. And at first, I guess the best way I can put it is is that it, it seemed like it almost had an adverse effect because being a pocket passer is, Quite frankly, it's not Malik's game. Like we we right. know he's he's as, at his best when he's running against Syracuse. He, he it seemed like he was making a concerted efforts to not run, which depending on the situation is fine. But when you have just clear green grass in front of you and you can move the sticks or progress the offense, and you're not taking advantage of it, giving the talent that he has. That's a problem. And when you're especially when you're opting to try and force the ball downfield into coverage that. 
may or may not be draped all over your intended target. That's kind of what happened in the Syracuse game. He kept keying on um, wide receiver Tyler Hudson for most of that game, trying to force it to him. I mean, he had eight catches for 100 yards in that game, which is nothing to sniff at. But he kind of neglected all of the other weapons that Louisville has on offense, like Amari Huggins-Bruth, who's a great catch-and-run guy, tight end Marshawn Ford, who is probably one of the top two or three tight ends in the ACC, if you ask me, and then a couple other wide receivers who the staff has is really high on and say has progressed a lot over the offseason. Kind of saw a little bit of that in the UCF game. Yeah, UCF, sorry. Louisville's played three straight Florida teams. It's kind of hard to get all those straight. <laughs> yep. He It kind of showed that a little bit in the UCF game, not nearly as bad as it was against Syracuse, but it was still present. But oddly enough, against Florida State of all teams, he started to look a little bit better in this department. Not great, but better. He was doing a much better job of spreading the ball around. And it seems that after those first two weeks, well, main, pretty much after that Syracuse game, it's not so much that the coaching staff said that they're going to dial back on him just being a pocket passer, but it's more so just letting him be him and just take advantage of his abilities as a runner. Let him run when he can incorporate his running more so into the uh, play calling scheme. Like just make sure you don't run him into the ground, obviously, but just kind of take advantage of that because he's best when he's quite frankly, he's better throwing on the run than he is in the pocket. And right. a lot of his his big passing gains come off of play action because of how prolific of a running team the Louisville has been since Scott Satterfield took over the Cardinals. And so that's kind of the antithesis to what being a pocket passer is. That's not Malik's Cunningham game at all. Do you want to improve his passing abilities and mechanics? Sure, but that doesn't mean you, you have to just constrict him to, the, to just stay in the pocket. So he's slowly getting better, like getting back to his, I guess, old self is the best way to put it. His he does still have one bad lingering issue, and that's overthrows. He had two overthrows in the USF game, the most recent game, where both of them would have been easy touchdowns. And it seems like like while Cunningham is doing a better job spreading the ball around and getting him to all the weapons that Louisville has, he has one, maybe two throws per game where his read just goes out the window, where he just meet, makes a just completely boneheaded throw into either a bad coverage or he just straight up doesn't see a defender his very first pass attempt in the usf game should have been picked off had they been playing against a secondary who had athletes who were better than what usf quite frankly that would have been an interception right and i'm not saying that one play would have changed the outcome of the game because i mean we saw what usf is i mean Louisville won that game by a 38 point margin but that could have impacted the overall flow of it, but then that ended up being an incompletion and then Wolf ended up like just progressing on as usual. So that's still a major issue with Cunningham, but there he is getting back to more so of his old self being like a true dual threat guy, setting up his, his passing off play action, throwing on the run, things like that. And, and I just see a guy like him and I look at BC and I've looked at what they, you know, Jordan Travis, I think has elevated his game quite a bit. Um, you saw what he did against BC last week, but mobile quarterbacks just recently, you know, under Jeff Halfley has been, and, and Steve Adazio has been like the Achilles heel of BC's defense. So I know BC kind of hung in with him last year, even though they lost until, you know, the defense just got gassed and couldn't keep up with them. Um, but I think it's going to be one of those storylines to watch is if BC has the, the, the athletes to stay, stay with it. And that kind of gets to the second point, which is when we're talking about, 
just how this whole game is just going to play out is the, you know anyone who's paid a, a lick of attention to what BC, what's going on with BC has known that their offensive line is a complete nightmare right now and you know against even bad teams Maine had three sacks Rutgers was dominating the, the front line Virginia Tech dominated the front line but they've improved a little bit they started to improve against Maine they started to improve against Florida State they actually didn't do that bad the offensive line wasn't that big of an issue but it's completely decimated BC's offense. Phil Dracovic, if you watch him, is not the same quarterback that you saw last year or two years ago. Uh, just he doesn't. He looks. He's got the yips. He's he's not re- making good reads. Not making good throws. And it's been a big mess. And I think one of the things Halfley talked about today, um, and you look at the stats, is a big worry. Is one of the biggest strengths that Louisville has is their their defense and, and the pressure that they bring on. Now they've got two guys. Uh, Ashton and I'm going to probably butcher their names. Ashton Galat and Yaya Diaby, who have seven sacks. Between actually the got the second one right. <laughs> ah, close enough. What was the first one? Gelati. Gelati. Okay. Well, um, BC is getting back Ozzy Trapillo on a pitch count, basically a pitch count, snap count. Um, now, tell me a little bit about this this defense because you know they've got 13 sacks through the first four games. Really impressive so far for Scott Satterfield's D. Yeah, so the thing about this defense last year is that when you look at the film, they they weren't obviously weren't close to putting up or on the pace of putting up these stats they were now, but they were. And I'm taking a coaching cliche from what I've all the pressure I've been all the availabilities I've been to, but all def- the Louisville defenders were more often than not that close to just making a play, whether turning into a quarterback hurry. Mm-hmm into a sack or a tackle for loss. Now they did put up like a fair amount of them last year, but there were so many opportunities where they could have just turned an almost play into an actual play. And it seems like this year, a lot of the guys in that front seven are starting to actually get home and get on tackle, all these tackles for loss to get on all these sacks. Yaya Diaby, we've been waiting on him to break out for a couple seasons now. I think it was last season that he said he was going to have a 10 sack year and he didn't even come close to that mark. Yep. Whereas you look at through four games. Now he's top 15 in all of college football and sacks. I think he's got four up to this point. Yeah. He's got a, a sack per game. So he's on pace for a 10 sack mark. He's just a season off on there. And then Ashton Gelati, that's a true freshman last year. He, Put to, he showed on the field that he's just a physical freak of nature. Now, he missed the USF game to an injury, but he's in line to make a return. But he's someone that adds that dynamic to that Louisville defensive line. But he's, if you ask me, every bit as good as Gelati, pound for pound, every, every bit as good as Diaby, excuse me, pound for pound. And then the key difference is that Louisville is actually starting to get an impactful presence in the middle. Louisville hasn't had a consistent force in the middle of their defensive line since probably 2016 when Sheldon Rankins was on the team and now he's with the Jets. And now while Des Tell maybe not is going to be a first-round draft pick like Rankins was, but he's doing a much better job at eating up blocks, taking guys away to kind of occupy him so that guys like Diaby, guys like Chilati, even guys like Yasir Abdullah, who is an all-ACC type defender, can kind of have a free a freer route to kind of get to the backfield. And even a guy like Dorian Jones, who replaced Monty Montgomery in the starting lineup, he he has looked really good in the snaps he's gotten. 
Monty Montgomery, I know BC fans might remember him because he's he was Louisville's X factor on defense, has been for a couple seasons now when it comes to run support. But he's coming off of an ACL injury from last year, and quite frankly, he has not looked the same. We were hoping that the AC, the ACL injury would not have as big of an impact as it did, but it, it's it's quite clear that he ha- it has. He's not nearly as explosive. He's had trouble can, like, keeping guys in front of him. Even had just trouble like wrapping up and tackling. So in the USF game, Dorian Jones got a lot of his snaps, and he looked phenomenal. So that's just another guy in that front seven who's that much better at in in run support or just getting in pressure on the quarterback. All right. So that that's going to wrap that our segment up on this. And in a moment, I'm going to talk to Matt about his X factor and what Louisville has to do to win and what BC could expose to win in this game. We'll get into that in just a moment. This is Locked on BC, AJ Black here, and I am joined by Matt McGavick of the Louisville Report. Check out his work we're talking about this game. We're previewing uh, the BC and Louisville game. And I want to get Matt's takes on a few things. Um, BC fans, if you talk to them right now, they're expecting to lose this game by three touchdowns. Uh, they they have no uh, uh, faith in, in, the, in the future of this program, but... I want to know your perspective. What What are you thinking about this game? What do you think? What do you think Louisville has to do to beat BC? They just have to stay disciplined. Because yeah. if you ask me, they should have won that game against Syracuse, considering Cuse themselves committed 18 penalties and won that game by 24. But Louisville mm-hmm. had so many missed opportunities themselves that they couldn't take advantage of. Syracuse, despite shooting themselves in the foot was able to one up Louisville because they cap they capitalize on a lot more miscues than Louisville did. So if Boston College wants to come out, they maybe have to kind of challenge Louisville a little bit to be probably a little bit more aggressive than they want to be because while they looked better against USF, Louisville like there's a bigger sample size that shows that Louisville is not that disciplined of a team when it comes to committing penalties and that's played a huge role in setting behind drives or putting themselves in a bad position on defense to extend drives. So I think that's probably one of the keys to watch for in this game for a potential upset. And what is, what is, um, who is Louisville's X factor in this game? Like someone like, you know, other than like Malik Cunningham and the two defensive linemen that we talked about, who would be like the big factor that maybe BC fans don't know much about? I don't, maybe not. They probably know a little bit about him because I, I mentioned them and he has, Made himself known, but Marsh on forward. If Louisville wants to progress their passing game like they want to, they have to get him more involved because he's proven over the last three years under Satterfield that he's one of the best tight ends in the ACC. But it seems that up to this point in the season, he hasn't really gotten that much involved in the passing offense. Now, granted, some of that is due to Cunningham, some of that is due to some of the, the retold wide receiver room not being able to generate as much separation as they would have hoped. But in the same breath, I mean Marshall Ford's good in that department. He's he's a mismatch in the in, in the linebacking core, but it seems like Cunningham hasn't really targeted him as much as a lot of people expected, giving his veteran status as a pass catcher between both tight ends and wide receivers. So if, if Louisville wants, does want to win re- somewhat convincingly or just win, period, they've got to get Marshawn Ford more involved because we all know Louisville's going to run the ball. They've got a plethora of backs in their backfield and Cunningham, of course. So 
I, I don't think they'll have a problem running the ball with the amount of horses in the stable that they have, but they've got to produce a more complete game offensively because the defense has been fine. The defense yep. in the Florida State game, in the UCF game, they held like in the middle quarters, the second and third quarters, they had those teams nearly scoreless. And it was the offense who wasn't taking advantage of the fact that the defense was keeping the opposition's offense out of the out of the end zone. So the offense has to take a step forward here. And I think the biggest way that happens is if Marshawn Ford gets more involved. All right. So 16 point spread, Matt, you taking Louisville in this game? I'm taking, I, I don't mean to hurt your feelings, AJ. Oh, I'm taking, don't, don't worry about it. I've, I've watched a couple of Boston college games. I watched the first half of that Florida state game. I, Kind of tuned in a little bit to that Rutgers game, and you are not joking when you say that offensive line has struggled. And I would be more apt to take BC to cover if I didn't see this one stat by David Hale earlier today, how Louisville has the fourth highest non-blitz sack rate Mm -hmm. in all of FBS. Mm -hmm. So if I had not seen that stat, Knowing how good of how how adept Louisville is at getting pressure in the backfield, I mean, we've already seen that, but to see that they're actually that good at it without having to blitz, couple it with BC's offensive lines issues, I'm I'm a lot more apt to take Louisville in the points here. All right, all right, and I will give you my prediction on tomorrow's show when I'm joined by Mitch Wolf. I'm guessing you guys will probably know where I'm going with that one, but. Uh, yeah, and I think David Hale also put some good stats out about how BC has struggled. I think it was 44% of Dracovic's dropbacks he's been pressured, uh, which is second worst in the entire country. So it's, like it's 35.2 of the rushing attempts went for no gain or or a negative gain or something like that. Oh, yeah. And and to be fair, um, some, some of that skewed, like Florida – I mean, Florida State was a mess too, but – it feels like certain parts are going in the right direction. I don't know how long it's going to take to get there, but it could be messy. So, yeah. Uh, and Matt, my last question for you, September 1st, 2023, who's coaching Louisville? <laughs> I, God, I want to say it's Scott Satterfield. I mean, gun to head. I'm going to say Scott Scatter, Scott Satterfield. Good grief. But I'm not overly confident. Now, if Louisville wins this game, they parlay that into a Virginia win and then maybe steal one from either Pitt or Wake and then win James Madison, then I think that Satterfield is a lot more in the clear. But I think if it dips to five wins or below, that's when his seats really starts to heat up because I know a lot of Louisville fans are apt to throw him out now, but I don't think he's like firmly in the tier of coaches who are next in line to get fired. I think that's Carl Norell at Colorado, uh, Brian Harson at Auburn, and then probably Jeff Scott at, at us, uh, USF, honestly. Yep. But yep. then when you talk about the tier of coaches below that, Satterfield name kind of is in that territory now. But like I said, it really depends on which Louisville team shows up. We could get right. the team that performed against USF against Boston College. We could get the one that performed against Syracuse. We it, Right. It's, right. it's, 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 it, as, as an outsider's perspective, I see all the NIL stuff and the money flowing into Louisville too. And that I, I honestly, as an outsider, just wonder how that's going to impact the future of the program too. Right. Like 
is a, a wealthy donor going to say like, you know, if they win six games, all right, we're better than this. Let's move on. You know what I mean? True. Yeah. It, it seems like some of the top recruits in this class are relatively locked in. And yeah. Quite yep. frankly, going to your point about a wealthy donor, we don't, there's only a select like few amount of big money donors who want to move the needle in little athletics. And they usually put all that money towards basketball. Basketball I was going to say, right. Yeah. And you know, and I, I, I agree with you. Like, I don't, I'm not sure that moving on from Satterfield is the right move. Like we were talking about this on our show yesterday. Like all the people that are like fire Halfley, fire Halfley. When you do that, you set your program back. And I've said mm-hmm. this before about your program on locked on ACC. Louisville has a big time class coming in of really, really good recruits. Yep. And do you want to just blow this up with, and you're going to, I mean, Ruben Owens, you know, you haven't had a five-star in how long, right? He would be only the second composite five-star to ever commit to Louisville. Right. And the first one was a homegrown product in Michael Bush. Right. So this is the first five-star outside of the city of Louisville. And you have to imagine that if Satterfield's gone, he's gone. So, you know, do you risk, do you, do you risk that? Like you do, or do you, do you, do you make the move? I, it's, I am not, I'm not the biggest fan of just firing for firing sake. And I think, you know, I, I think Satterfield has something going on in terms of the recruiting and you'll start to see some depth and things pop up and it may take a, a year or so, but he's, I, I, I don't know, just from my perspective, I think he's got the right thing going. So Matt, yeah. we have to head out. Uh, where can people follow your work? You can follow me at Matt underscore McGavick on Twitter. You can follow my site at, at UofL report. And yeah, you can find me on mainly just on Twitter. I have Instagram and all those other social medias, but I, I hardly ever touch them. So you can just find my mark on Twitter. You can find my site at si.com slash college slash Louisville. And yeah, check it out. Hopefully I don't disappoint you too much. <laughs> yeah. And um, I'll have an interview with Matt. Uh, well, I'm going to be on Matt's site and inter- being interviewed on uh, in a written version uh, later this week, I will be sending that over to Matt after the show. So if you want to hear my answers to some questions about BC season, uh, definitely check out Matt's work there and I'll, I'll retweet some of his stuff as well. So check that out. Well, this is AJ black. I'll be back again tomorrow with Mitch to give our pre uh, predictions on the, sh- on the, the big game. Will BC figure out how to turn their season around. You'll have to wait and find out. This is AJ black for, for Matt McGavick. Take care, everyone.